Welcome to Street Knowledge with Chris Graham. Welcome to the podcast. It's Tuesday. We're going to talk UVA sports with Scott German. And Scott is, uh, he's escaped to the Outer Banks for a few days. And Scott, it's hard for me to believe. It looks like you got good weather down that way. Hard for me to believe that you're going to leave that and come back for a UVA Miami football game on Saturday. So um, are you going to be able to do that and break away? Or are you just going to live down there for a while? I'll come back. It, but, you don't sound like you want to, but. <laughs> but yeah, I could be convinced to not to. I mean, especially after, I mean, this is going to be just a monumental game. Just, just the two teams are on a collision course, Chris. I mean, the way Virginia played against Georgia Tech Thursday night and that Miami, that magnificent performance by Miami against Duke. I mean, what? why would you want to miss something like that? That's the problem. Uh, <laughs> Miami not playing good football. You know, um, we were right about at least one thing this year. Uh, Miami was picked uh, by the consensus of writers at the ACC football kickoff back in July in Charlotte to be the ACC coastal favorite. Last year, division playing the ACC. You know, Miami's often a coastal favorite. <laughs> They've only won it once. Um, and they're playing just awful. I mean, I don't know which one's worse. The loss to Duke this past weekend with eight turnovers. That I just don't know if I've ever seen a number like that uh, from a major college football team. Still, the Middle Tennessee loss from a few weeks ago uh, uh, stands out with this Miami team. And now it looks like they've lost their quarterback, uh, Tyler Van Dyke. I mean, the, the wheels have come off the wagon. I'm not sure. Mario Cristobal in his first year, of very, he's getting $8 million a year. That staff's getting a lot of money, and um, the you know I know we've been talking a lot here up in, in Virginia way about the first year coach Tony Yaley and his staff not getting the job done. That staff down there came in with expectations through the wazoo and not getting the job done. Yeah, and you know, Chris, I try to I, in a column for the uh, my ACC power rankings. I I, I I I try to watch a little bit of those games on Saturdays, especially when we're not, when Virginia's not playing. So I, I, I try to look at a little bit of them and, and then read some, some of the local papers. And um, the honeymoon is over for, for Cristobal already. Um, I, I don't know how much of a leash he had, but the honeymoon, as far as some of the former uh, Miami greats like Ray Lewis, uh, you know, he's getting very, He's getting some lukewarm re, uh, responses right now. And the one article that I read, and I don't, I don't see what you think about this, uh, the, the idea that you just had the right coach to come in to just make the X's and the O's that eventually Miami's going to re, uh, return to its glory days or where they didn't recruit but they selected is over. And they'll never go back to that for various reasons. One reason that they supposedly have, 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 have a much – more um, academic goals now that they did maybe 20, 25 years ago. And the fact that there's so many other schools that are now plucking players away from where Miami, right in the state of Miami, Central Florida, South Florida, um, um, and that it's going to take more than just a name coach. It's going to take somebody that can really uh, execute X's and O's. And, and even then, Miami's never going to re uh, return to its glory years. What do you what do you think about that? I, I can't disagree. Uh, and I don't, I don't think that's a, a recent phenomenon either. It's been ongoing for a while. Um, 
you know, it, it, we've been saying this for, for, for years. See, people who listen to our podcast, go back to our archives, you'll see. I mean, dating back to the Al Golden days, Al Golden took over for um, Randy Shannon, who took over for, gosh, um, I'm trying to think of the name of the coach who took a little Coker. Uh, Larry Coker took him the national title after Butch Davis. So, uh, you know, you go to Al Golden, a former UVA assistant under Al, Go- uh, Al Groh, Golden recruited great. So, uh, you know, I don't even know if I want to say it's because they can't recruit, recruit great. These Miami – the Miami coaches, Golden and then Ricks, uh, you know, Manny Diaz, now Cristobal, he's only been there for a year. You know, you you look at their recruiting, they're top 10 or 15 every year, um, and they just can't win. So I don't know that I say it's because, you know, it'd be one thing if their recruiting was ranked in the 40s or 50s nationally, and then, you know, they just weren't getting wins as a result of less talent and, and lesser coaches. But they're getting great talent, and then they're not winning games. Um, you, you know, they have that one division title, Mark Rick, I want to say it was 2018, um, where they started uh, 10-0 and 0 and then ended up 10-3 and 3 that year. You know, briefly, they were in the national title picture. They got – I want to say they were 10-0. and 0. They lost to Pitt uh, in the regular season finale. Uh, then they lost – they got blown out by Clemson uh, in the ACC championship game. And so, you know, that year just had a great promise for that's, – that's the only year they've had since Larry Coker, <laughs> you know, and that's the early 2000s. They, they've been in the ACC since 2004 and have won one Coastal Division title. They've played in one ACC championship game, and that was that one year. Um, and so, so I, I don't, I don't even know want to say it's necessarily the result of, you know, how hard it is to win at Miami. I think they still got the infrastructure in place to win there. It's, I can't figure out how year, I mean, coach after coach, they just can't get the, they, they get the recruits. They just can't win games. I, that's, that's the hard thing for me to figure. Yeah. And I mean, they just look so, I don't know if I'm, Discipline is the word or or not. I mean, against Duke, Chris, they committed eight turnovers. Eight. Well, in the Virginia Tech game, which they won two weeks ago, they had 17 penalties. So, I mean, yeah, undisciplined sounds like a, a good way to start with that with that group. Um, certainly not the Miami and Florida State that the ACC and well, maybe Florida State. They had a, they dominated ACC for years after coming in, but Miami certainly not. Uh, has never brought the ACC what what the ACC had hoped they would bring. No, uh, they put those two programs in different divisions for a reason. The, the hope was that they would uh, play each other every year in the ACC championship game, or at least be in the mix to play each other every year in the ACC. And how many have they played? How many? Against each other, exactly yeah. zero. <laughs> exactly zero. Yeah, Florida State, you know, on uh, the uh, Jimbo Fisher era, at least the, the first five, six years of the Jimbo Fisher era did its part. Um, but, uh, Miami has not. So we get that game this weekend, um, in Charlottesville, um, another early kickoff, 1230 kickoff, uh, should be a, a small gather gathering there in Scott stadium. Um, this will be the first home game in a while, right? This is the first one since Louisville on, was that October 2nd? Um, and, uh, that was a, that would be a, you know, rather embarrassing loss for Virginia, uh, to a backup quarterback, a program that uh, uh, was on the verge at that time, it seemed like, of maybe firing its coach. And now Louisville's gone off and won some games. So um, shows that 
you know, Georgia Tech, of course, this past weekend had won a couple games after firing its coach, and Scott Satterfield has won some games since uh, being on the hot seat at Louisville. Um, but for Virginia, you know, even that night, that was that were that afternoon, that was a um, a homecoming crowd that was less than forty thousand officially, and probably less than thirty thousand in actuality. I don't know what we can expect this weekend. It's going to be chilly. Uh, you know, there'll be a lot of good things for people to do other than watch a football game. And, you know, Virginia, Virginia's ha- is going to continue to have that problem, uh, unfortunately, to get people to come to the games. But, uh, uh, you know, yeah, it's, it's you know, I'm, Miami and Virginia this weekend, it's not the game. I thought going into the season, Scott, that th- this game could have been a, a, a game that factored into the Coastal Division race. It's not going to factor into anything at this stage. No, and speaking of the coastal, how bad is foot is the coastal division aside from Carolina? Look from at North the, Carolina, yeah. A look at the rest of that division. Um, in my power rankings, I had Georgia Tech sixth, but technically they are tied for second. Yeah. Um, and I believe they have Carolina still to play, right? I believe that's right. Yeah, because they, they so have not technically with two losses, Carolina is still sitting there with zero. But Carolina has a lot of conference games left. I mean, Georgia Tech is about the only team that could even, even remotely have a shot, and they're going to need some help at that. But that 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 division is so bad. Yeah, we, aside we almost- from Carolina. We have to root for Carolina to keep winning at this stage uh, because it's it is that bad. Uh, you know the. As you mentioned, Georgia Tech is uh, after firing his coach, uh, and, and and then this past weekend losing to Virginia sixteen nine at home. They're 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 second best team at least record wise in the in the division. But Pitt has really fallen off. Um, you know they they played Tennessee. It's hard to figure. They played Tennessee to overtime earlier this year, and now Pitt is is uh, you know in the pits and. Um, uh, you know, obviously Virginia. We've talked about Virginia. Duke. Duke might be the second best team. I mean, Duke probably is the second best team Duke, right now. Duke, the way I would say Duke is the second best team in that in that division in, in the division right now. But uh, and they played Carolina real well. So Duke. I mean, that's first year coach Mike Elko. He's doing a hell of a job. Yeah, I mean, they were Carolina won in the last seconds of that game. Yeah, yeah. You know, um, in the end zone, took a drive down the field after Duke had taken the lead. Uh, you know. The, I guess the ACC right now they got what they wanted Saturday, and that Clemson came back and beat Syracuse, and because that keeps Clemson in that national playoff mix. Where had they lost? That's that's out. That would that would be over with. Um, yeah. So that I guess the, the, if you're sitting down in Greensboro, all you're praying for is a Carolina Clemson, a Carolina and Clemson ACC championship game, which will fill. Um, Bank of America Stadium, no doubt. Um, but Clemson has been the, the Clemson and Wake has has been the two teams that have just been the steadiest in the ACC so far this season. Yeah, Clemson and Wake. Yeah, yeah. Well, NC State would have been in that mix, but they've lost Devin Leary for the season, and you know they got Virginia Tech this weekend. Um, I, I saw something of Andy Bitter, who now writes for the Athletic. He's been covering Virginia Tech for a long, long time. Um, he noted that Virginia Tech has not gone an entire October without a win since 1952. Uh, Virginia Tech plays uh, North Carolina State this weekend down in in Raleigh, and Virginia Tech's a 13 and a half point underdog. 
Uh, also, Virginia Tech has not lost five straight since 1992, which is the year before uh, Frank Beamer uh, got that program turned around. It'd be a year that he could have easily gotten fired. It was his fifth year at, in Blacksburg, and uh, he he went two and nine that year. And then after that, they uh, they went nine and three and ninety three. And since then, has have been really uh, were really good for quite a long time. I shouldn't you know catch myself there, but um, yeah, Virginia Tech on the verge of a you know five game losing streak. Um, you know, a lot of we, we're talking about a lot of first year coaches in the ACC who aren't doing well. Uh, Miami, Cristobal, Brent Pry at Virginia Tech, Tony Elliott at Virginia. Um, and Georgia Tech will soon have another first year coach because they've got a new AD in place. Uh, they, they'll be they'll be back on the market as soon as this season ends looking for uh, it's their next head coach. So, um, you know, whereas on the other side of the, the the conference, which will soon be once again a one-sided conference when you get rid of the division play, obviously Clemson's doing great. You talk about Wake Forest with with what they've been able to put together, and Dave Clawson has has built a consistent winner there at a small private school, the fourth of the four Carolina schools. Dino Babers at Syracuse. You mentioned the loss to Clemson. Uh, I watched a lot of that game. I mean, I wouldn't say Syracuse dominated. They were ahead uh, in part because of a 90-yard fumble return. Uh, uh, DJ Uyagalele got benched. Um, the backup came in and, and led Clemson to victory, sort of a replay of a few years ago when Trevor Lawrence came in as a freshman and, and led a, a, a comeback for Clemson to beat a Syracuse team in the fourth quarter in Death Valley. But uh, got to give credit to Dino Babers. He was very much on the hot seat going into the season, and his defense is playing great. And then the the move to to steal Robert Anai and Jason Beck from Virginia. I mean, Anai was leaving uh, after uh, Coach Bronco Mendenhall uh, surprisingly stepped down in December from Virginia. But um, the fact that he was able to bring Jason Beck with him, they've really turned that offense around, and that, that obviously. In law in defeat, you know Syracuse. Syracuse lost that game, but I think Syracuse is for real. There, that's that's a that's a real program right now, and and that's a dramatic turnaround for a guy. And Babers isn't a first year coach, but uh, that one year turnaround for Syracuse is 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 really standing out right now. Yeah, um, you you just kind of wonder what if <laughs> somehow yeah. another. Uh, um, an eye is retained. I don't know if he would have been retained or if he would have been asked, but um, I mean, I, at least Jason Beck, at, at least at, Jason at, Beck, at, right. At least Jason Beck to let him run the same offense that he learned under. He, he played under an eye at BYU coached under him at BYU coached under him at Virginia, you know, indications to me were that an eye was not going to stay at Virginia, no matter, even if he was asked, which he wasn't asked, but he, even if he was asked, was not going to stay at Virginia. He, he wanted, he wanted the head job. And uh, when he didn't get it or wasn't considered for it, but man, yeah, yeah. You, you definitely it's, have to ask what if. And assuming that the defense has would have played as well as they have, because we, we, we thought that was going to be the, the, the weak spot is the defense and the defense is, has really stepped up. I mean, the defense is respectable again. Yeah. Very, very respectable. They won the game again. They've won. Virginia's won three games this year. Two of the three wins were by the defense. The 16-14 win over ODU, the 16-9 win last week over Georgia Tech. I mean, Virginia's, Virginia hasn't scored more than 20 points in a game against an FBS school all year. That's the 20 points in the Syracuse game. Uh, the 22-20 loss up there last month. But, 
you know, the offense has only had a couple of decent games. Um, and I would, I mean, you got to count them on a curve. You got to count the Georgia Tech game. They had over 400 yards of offense. But the defense, man, they gave up 205, what, 201 yards in that game? Um, you know, had uh, intercepted a ball in the end zone after a bad turnover in deep in, in Virginia territory. I mean, yeah, the defense, the defense has done its job. Yeah, give, give that defense last year's offense. And, well, you know, we could solve all kinds of problems with, with a lot of what ifs. Yeah, so let's let's. It's although it's been four or five days, I still have that bad taste in my mouth from that Georgia Tech game <laughs> for good reason. And you know, and I and I, I have some friends that are, are are internal optimists who are like, "Oh, come on, you can't." You know, we won, we won, we won. But Chris, I mean, so many. If you break down that game, so many mistakes, so many errors on defense, and. And disappointing to watch such blunders by the coaching staff, and that's the only thing I can think of. That that we can talk later, but or you can you can set the stage for that block punt. But that could have turned out to be an absolute disaster. What if had Georgia Tech taken that second opportunity, gone down the field, tied the game, or, or gone for it, and with a two point conversion and won? Yeah. What would life be like for Tony Elliott right now? Yeah, you know, in the scenario you're talking about there, uh, I'm sure a lot of our listeners have have maybe mentally blocked that out, you know, from Thursday night. But, I mean, Virginia dominated the game on both sides of the line of scrimmage, but only had a 16-9 lead late in the game because of two missed field goals, a 29-yarder, a 39-yarder, also a missed extra point. Also another situation where uh, uh, Tony Elliott decided not to try to kick what would have been, a, I think, a 42-yard field goal because uh, Will Betridge already missed two field goals and an extra point. So there's at least seven points, probably 10 points left off the board. Maybe, you know, throw another four points in. Lavelle Davis dropped an easy touchdown pass in the end zone on a third and goal. But um, so as a result, the game's close, and it shouldn't have been. Virginia dominated that game. Uh, Then, uh, you know, the defense comes to the four once again. I think there was a – it was a first and ten at the seven after a great punt by Daniel Sparks. Uh, was like a third and five from the 12, a big sack, knocked him, one of eight sacks on the day by the defense. Um, uh, forced uh, Georgia Tech into a fourth and 14 from the three. And it's 349 on the clock. I have way too much memory of this. Um, 349 on the clock. Georgia Tech still has all three of its timeouts. But, um, you know, I don't know that there's a coach in America, Scott, up 16-9, up a touchdown. 349 o'clock, all your timeouts left with the other team punting from their end zone uh, that, that says, hey, let's try to block that punt. And Tony Elliott decides to try to block that punt. And, um, you know, worst-case scenario, you maybe even show punt block, force the quick kick, which Virginia did. Um, the ball rolled to the 45-yard line on their side of the field, so plus 45. Um you get a couple first downs. You make Georgia Tech drain some timeouts. Uh, if you get, you know, maybe you get lucky, you get a touchdown. You're probably not going to make a field goal because of the way things had gone. But, you know, you can bleed the clock. Instead, Virginia tries to actually block the punt with Lavelle Davis Jr., who making his first appearance of the season on the punt block team. He's six seven, so he's there for a reason. He doesn't know the rule that you can't uh, boost yourself up on the, the wedge to try to block the bunt, which is an obvious rule for, for lots of reasons. 
and he's assessed 15 yards, and Georgia Tech gets the ball back. They get the ball. They eventually have a third and two at the UVA 43. Uh, Virginia gets another sack, forces a fourth down pass incomplete, and then, you know, uh, Georgia Tech got the ball back one more time. No timeouts, nothing to do, and they, they the clock ran out. Um, but, yeah, that's an easy scenario. You make them punt the ball. You get the ball back. If you trust your offense to get a couple of first downs and run the clock out, what's hard about that? I, I don't know. I mean, I'm sitting, I'm sitting at home screaming, for gosh sakes, just set up the punt return. And I could not believe it when I saw – and I didn't see the actual play. I think they the camera switched to the punt. They did, live, yes. Yeah. Uh, so I didn't see the actual play in, uh, that, that Davis uh, when he leaped. But uh, when I saw the all-out rush, I was just like, horrified because i thought they were going to run into the kicker that was the yeah. penalty i was that's expecting yeah. Yeah. uh and even a even a running into the kicker would have given them a first down right or would it well no, running it was, into would have given them five yards another punt um, another punt a, a roughing would have given them 15 and then the leaping penalty it would give them obviously gave them 15 as well you you just can't you can't take that chance i mean i just don't understand i still i'm still trying to figure it out and this is to, to, to another thing, too. I've read some – this this kind of just shows you a little bit about silly things like message boards and yeah. whatnot. Um, when the when the discussion about was brought up about, oh, my gosh, why was Lavelle Davis a skilled position player? Why was he even on that special team? Well, he's been on it all year. No. Nope. Was, was the general – was the trend. That's what – that's what – well, Bronco Mendenhall – use skilled players on special team. Tony Allen has been doing it all year. No, he hasn't. You pulled it out. Not you with, went to pro. You, yeah, I went to pro football focus, not with Lavelle Davis, not saying that other guys didn't. Uh, and I haven't looked up every skilled player to see who's. You know, and, and, you know, obviously Billy Kemp returns punts. I mean, so that's a skilled player on the special teams. But, but that's a skilled player doing what he is expect, what he normally does. Oh, catching a ball and running with it, right? Yeah. Right. Not Lavelle Davis, who's a wide receiver trying to block a punt. <laughs> Which is not what right. he's there for. Um, and when I looked it up, yeah, that was his first appearance this season on special teams, on the punt block team, or the punt return team. They don't actually list punt block team. They just punt, list punt return team. And he would played, uh, uh, made two appearances, um, two snaps. Let's just say that, not two games, two snaps in 2020 on the punt return team under Bronco Mendenhall. So, uh, yeah, yeah, you know, it's one thing to say he did that, but he had not. And um, you know, word so, got so the assumption is if he's in there, which he was, yeah, is that since he's not in there on every punt return team, right? AKA punt block team, right? Yeah, well, there's yeah, there's punt block, there's punt return, there's punt safe, which is usually your defense. Um, um if he's in there, the, the this assumption is he's in there because of his height, because of his ability to his arm span to reach up, reach out extend his hands and block a punt, right? He's not in if, if you're He's not in Tech, the block. If you're if you're Georgia Tech and you see Lavelle Davis lying up in the middle of the defensive line. He's 67, he, I don't know what his official weight is. He looks like he's 200 pounds. He doesn't look like he's got any, you know, heft to him. He's not in the middle of the defensive line because he's trying to he's in there to to try to block to set up the return. He's in there to block the punt. So that signals to Georgia Tech already, hey, they're trying to block the punt. I don't think Lavelle Davis could block wind. 
Well, I mean, he's six seven if he got up there, but he obviously didn't. When you watched, when you did see the replay, you know they did have a camera focused on him. We saw finally on replay, didn't see it live. Um, he ran through the middle of the line. I mean, you know the way the way punt the the way punt teams set up their blocking. Um, you know they'll let the middle guys through to the wedge. There's three guys back there in the wedge for a reason to block guys who get through the middle. Um, and um, he got there. He just wasn't anywhere close to the ball. That's why he had to try to boost himself up over the, the wedge. You know, what's also frustrating, Scott, we talked about this when we chatted on the phone. I mean, okay, so the guy's in there for the first time under live fire. I would assume, God, I hope, that he's at least practiced a couple times in punt block. I mean, you don't just send a guy out there, right? So let's assume that. Let's let's be nice and assume that. I'm not sure if we can assume that, but let's assume it. Um, he still he, – he didn't know the rule. I mean, word has gotten out. He didn't know the rule. He didn't. He didn't know that you couldn't do what he did. So, well, I mean, if he did, he wouldn't have done it. He wouldn't have done it. So, <laughs> if you got a guy out there who, in a position he doesn't normally, you know, play, and in, in a in a role he doesn't normally play, um, you you know, there's got to be something to say. Hey, you know, and, and you're and, like they give him a book before every game, right? They, they you know, you, if you're wide, if you're a wide receiver, Lavelle Davis. You got a book with, uh, you know, the offense, you know, here, you know, it's, it's, it des- describes every play and when the play, here's what your route, you know, all the things you do. So if you get, you know, when you, if you, your book also includes your assignments on special teams. All right. You're in the middle of the line. Don't, don't put your hands on a wedge guy and jump over them because that's going to be 15 yard penalty. That wasn't there because he didn't know the rule. And, and, and where does that come down to? It comes down to the coaching or lack thereof. In, in given to the players in that situation. Chris, I'm not sure if, if it was addressed in the press conference, post-game press conference, because I don't think there was a lot of uh, Virginia media there. There may have been one or two that I could, that I could see had stories from the game. Um, was that ever asked? I don't know. I, I you know, uh, I, if if your media is Jeff White of Virginia Sports, then you know it's not going to be asked. Uh, but I, I'm still waiting to hear what Tony Elliott said. I haven't heard anyone ask, ask that. Well, it's 4.30 on Tuesday right now as we're recording. Uh, Tony would have already had his Tuesday weekly presser. Um, I'm just waiting on the transcript of that. Um and uh, we might have an answer there. You know, it, you know, somebody might have asked that question there. Uh, you know, maybe not. You know, they, um, you know, maybe. You know, a lot of the media that follow Virginia football, I'm going to be honest, uh, I think are on the UVA payroll. <laughs> well, not literally, but they consider, themselves, like they consider they themselves to be. Let's say it that way. They, they don't want to run a foul um too much which is you know it's one way to get through life but um no th- those questions hard questions aren't often asked let's i'll be not i'll, I'll be diplomatic and call it as say call it that way um and so no hard questions aren't often asked of of coach elliott in these situations i mean this has been a tough year for him he's three and four he was the expectations were a lot higher than that and um He's been a little he, – he's, I wouldn't say prickly, but for him prickly. He's a nice guy. He's a very affable guy. Um, you know, a, a lot of respect for him and what he's done to, to the academic side of things for UVA football. And he's really trying to establish a culture. But he has – you know, he's had run-ins uh, – not run-ins. He's had uh, blow-ups on the sidelines with his players. He didn't have one any last week. 
that we could see at least on TV cameras. Um, um, but it's it's been a tough season on him, and so you know it's possible that some reporters are trying to be nice and not ask him hard questions. But it would be interesting to see. I'll you know I'll I'll be the first one to jump up and down if if somebody asks the question today in the presser. Uh, well, I'll, I'll go as far as to say this: I'll be interested when those transcripts are are posted to see if that was asked. And I'll say this: if it were asked, I will tell you whatever. Whatever his answer is, it's wrong. <laughs> there you go. I, I, I'm. I mean, I, there. If he's way. if he tries to defend that, there's nothing he could say that would change my mind. Would Would it be anything? Can you giving him the benefit of the doubt? Is there anything you, that he could say? I, I thought about it. This well, I didn't trust our offense as we were struggling all day. We needed a big play defensively. A defensive play right there could put the game away, but it really couldn't have. Well, and the offense wasn't struggling. The offense moved the ball. They had 410 yards of offense. That's a good day for that for any offense, much less the way the Virginia offense has been playing this year. No, you you know, no. We know, I you know, I don't know the situation with, you know, I haven't studied his staff like we studied Bronco Mendenhall's staff. Bronco Mendenhall was around for six years, so we got to know his staff and his uh, assignments pretty well. Bronco famously had a guy sitting up in the uh, a coach's box up, you know, up above the field, um, who was an analytics guy uh, and had him on the headset. And, you know, he was his that guy's job was specifically to give advice on things like, all right, it's fourth and two from the 28. Um, you got a 28 percent chance of winning if you do this, 29 percent chance if you do that, that kind of stuff. Um, I would assume that that Tony Elliott would have someone like that on his staff, whether it's a one person assigned position or someone else who has, you know, has another job on the, on, on the staff also has that job. But um, I cannot imagine that, that, that person um, advised uh, him to try to yeah. block that point. If he does, that person should be in the unemployment line today. Yeah. I, I, that person isn't very good at math. <laughs> Let's just put it that way. Um, because no, there's no way, there's no way that any analytics would tell you, let's try to block the punt there. Um at, given the risk involved, I mean, yeah, obviously, if you block the punt, you, you're going to either get two points for a safety, or you're going to recover it at the one yard line, or recover in the end zone. I mean, yeah, if you block the punt, but it's kind of like the old saying about you know what old time football coaches used to say about throwing the ball. Uh, three things can happen, and two of them are bad. Yeah, um, you know, in this situation, a bunch of things can happen, and most of them are bad. You know, like you mentioned, Scott, it could either be running into the kicker, five yard penalty, at the very least. Georgia Tech will look at that punt that rolled to the 45-yard line and say, hey, we can do better than that. Let's, let's kick it again. Um, you know, or the 15-yard running into the kicker, or in this case, the 15-yard leaping. Um, yeah, a lot of bad things can happen. And, you know, it's it's almost – and especially then when you consider that you've got a guy on the field who's never – who's not played in that role for at least two years, maybe ever. Um, yeah, uh, you know, that, that compounds things. Yeah, who, who basically implied – I didn't know the rules. Didn't know that he didn't know that he couldn't. Because hell, you know, obviously, if you can, if you're six seven and you can go up and catapult yourself off the wedge, you're gonna block the punt most times. <laughs> but, yeah, and my man, my question on that is, okay, if you've got this particular skill player in the game for one specific reason to block a punt, then why doesn't he know the rules? The, he, it, you know, we know. I mean, you know. Most programs, I'm sure UVA is in this situation too. Again, when they, when you know, when you, when you're playing for the team, you get a scouting, you get your playbook, you get scouting report, 
everything else. And I mean, when you're, you know, I was hearing a long description, for example, of the most famous, one of the most infamous plays in NFL history um, involving the Indianapolis Colts and the New England Patriots. You might remember this play, Scott. I think it was like 2016. The Colts tried a little on a punt, tried this little swinging gate thing where yes. um, they, they lined up their like the entire offensive line uh, and, and guys uh, to, to the right side. They had just the, the punter and the, the center um, lined up in the middle of the field. And the the whole the whole gimmick was because I, I heard it, it was Pat McAfee was explain he was the punter on this team he was explaining that the whole thing was we were just trying to catch New England um, changing personnel and maybe catch them with too many men on the field offsides or something else we never intended to snap the ball um, and what happened was of course anybody remembers the play they did snap the ball they had they had a center and a punter and then New England had four guys <laughs> over top of those guys and. The, the the center snaps the ball for some reason and of course he got the, the punter got just obliterated there was four guys there and what really happened was the 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 snapper the guy who ended up snapping was was the gunner on the team and uh he was only there because the guy who was originally supposed to be the quote-unquote center on this play had gotten sick before the game literally the night before the game and um so they'd been practicing this play all week with the other guy this guy comes in and he doesn't know that he, all he's told is if the if the um, if if you feel hands touching the back of your legs when you're in, in the center position, you snap the ball. So the, the 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 punter comes up, touches him in the butt, and he snaps the ball. So that that was the instruction. Uh, not not don't snap the ball. It was you know if you if the if if you feel anything on the back of your leg, snap the ball. And here in this situation, you know, and he and, and Pat McAfee explained that, you know, we get we we got playbooks, we got everything explained to us in writing what we're supposed to do, what we're not supposed to do on certain plays. And the instruction in that play was, uh, in the playbook, it was, um, you know, if you feel something on your butt, snap the ball. And but the verbal instruction never got to that guy, which was a verbal instruction was, don't snap the ball. We're not doing this to snap the ball. Don't snap the ball. And so. You know, you have to wonder if Lavelle Davis Jr. back to the Virginia situation, he's 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 sent out there. He's six seven. Hey, dude, we're gonna send you to the middle of the line. We're gonna have you block the punt. Had he practiced that situation before? Had and, and if he had, was he was he told don't don't touch a, a, the wedge guys so that because if you do, you could be called for leaping. Um, you know, we we don't know any of that stuff. Um, we have to presume that. If it was told to him, it wasn't emphasized. And, um, you know, there was obviously a miscommunication there, and it could have cost Virginia the game. Well, we were lucky that it didn't. didn't. And um, But those are the kinds of mistakes that, that have plagued us all season, not just in that Georgia Tech game, but in, in other games. It's just silly mistakes. Well, silly not just mis- and mistakes not just by the team, though. Mistakes by the coaching staff. And oh, that's, that's what I was referring yeah, to. Yeah, that's what you're By referring. the coaching staff. Yeah, that's what I want to make. I want to make the listeners make sure that they understand. We're not just talking about penalties or drop balls. We're talking. I mean, those those are there too. But you know, yeah, penalty, uh, mistakes by the coaching staff putting the guys in the wrong places. You know, I think what we've what we've learned or what we know is that it, it doesn't matter whether you're the offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator, or at Alabama, at, at, at wherever. It's not the same as the head coach, the game 
moves at a completely different speed when you're wearing, as you like to say, the big headsets. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I guess what we hope is that eventually the game starts slowing down a little bit because that decision on that punt block team had to just happen. You know, it evolved in front of us watching it at home. We knew what was going on, but maybe on the sidelines, Tony, I, I just can't understand how someone didn't, that had to get through Tony to, to approve that. Yeah. Yeah. The special teams coordinator did not say, we're going to block the punt. Right. Um, he, and he's, he's got to be for... able to weigh the risk reward factors in that. And you got to do it quick. I know because you only get so many seconds between plays, but uh, you know, you got to be able to process that your, your brain has to be able to automatically process that. And you it, don't you have know, to do that I defensively. To... I mean, is it, if I have to imagine, I have to imagine what happened. I'm, I'm imagining that Tony Elliott is on the sidelines uh, on, on third and five. He's not thinking we're going to try to block the punt after third and five. He's, you know, he as head coach is, is thinking about what happens, you know, if they, if it's fourth and five, it's, if they, if they pick up the first down, et cetera, John Rudzinski, the defensive coordinator, he's call, you know, on third and five, he's thinking about the play, uh, the defense defensive scheme. They want to be in for third and five. Uh, if you're Keith Ga- uh, Gaither, who is the um, uh, special teams coordinator, You've got your special teams hanging around you because you're getting ready to send them out there, and you've got your punt block and your punt return uh, units, and there's a, a few guys who are the same, a few guys who are different, depending on what Coach Elliott tells him to send out there. Um, but you know, so when Elliott says after the big sack, okay, now we're going to try to block the punt. Well, Gaither's the one who sends guys out there. Uh, he, he's the one who sends the punt block unit out there. I doubt that Tony Elliott says send Lavelle out there. He's telling he's telling Gaither send you know send the punt blocking it out there now, so then so there's that the, the decision to block the punt is on him, but then the decision to send Lavelle out there is on the special teams coach, and so there's there's a couple of screw ups when you start thinking about it that way. I mean you're sending a guy out there to to play one snap, his first snap in at least two years uh, on the punt block team, and. Um, uh, you know, why? I mean, you know, if you're trying to block the punt, is, 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 is this is your secret weapon? You know, I mean, I, again, like I said, Georgia Tech, as soon as they see. You don't you know, sneak a 6'7 guy in that in there. As soon as they see him lining up, like, somewhere between nose tackle and, you know, wherever he is on the, in the middle of the defensive line, you know, hey, they're trying to block the punt. Um, yeah. And, you know, what I would – I mean – if I'm sending out the pump block unit, I'm only sending them out there as a as a decoy. And it's, a decoy. It, what a great decoy! What a great decoy Lavelle Davis would be. You're you automatically think there ain't no way that guy's trying to block anybody going downfield. He's he, he's not gonna you know he's not gonna block a uh, you know, offensive guard on special teams trying to get to Billy Kemp back at the 45 yard lines. So he's out there to block the punt. That might make the punter rush the punt a little bit. And, and, and even without using Lavelle Davis as a, as a guy trying to block the punt, you can force a bad punt. Um, oh, you know, there's, there's a lot of what ifs there. Unfortunately, what happened was what happened. And um, that's a, that's just a breakdown. And, you know, and I'd love to, you know, I'd, I'd love to know what's really going on. You know, it, it, we're, here we are being critical of the media for not asking a question. Even if the question was asked today, and I've clicked a couple times to see if I've gotten the uh, transcript yet. I, I, my, my, my money would be on it. It was not asked. But even if it was, you're not going to get the answer that we're expecting, which is <laughs> Mia culpa. Um, yeah. yeah. It's, you know, it, it, it's, it's not going to be that. It's going to be a, a double down, if, if anything. And 
I would love to know though what he because in the media, you know, you're you're not going to win that battle. So if you're Tony Elliott, you got to you got to defend you got to defend your choice. But I'd really love to know what he really thinks. If because if he really thinks deep down that hey, I wanted to do that, and I still think it was the right call. We just screwed up the way we executed it. That's another that's another problem. <laughs> that to me that's that, another that's problem. that's even more damning. And what, but we'll never get that because. One is probably not going to be asked, and even two, even if it's asked, I doubt we get the the, the, the right answer, you know, the, or the or the real the real deep down. Here's what I really think answer. Uh, and you know what I think is that the game moved at such a clip is moving so fast in front of Coach Elliott that uh, that decision was made by maybe I won't say made by special teams, but your thought is we've we've. I don't care how many yards we had gained up to that point, 16 points late in the game. We haven't been exactly an explosive offensive team. We blocked a punt in the end zone, game's over, right then and there. But that's the wrong decision. If that was indeed well, his thought process, that's the wrong thought process. If you get the ball even at the 50-yard line. I mean, you got to look – the ball was at the three-yard line. So you get a good punt out of that. You're going to get the ball at midfield. And, and actually, I think it was the 46-yard line. Now that I looked at the stats, it's 46-yard line. So of of Georgia Tech, so you're on you're in plus territory, um, you know you're you're in Georgia Tech's on its heels defensively. Um, they got three timeouts. You run the ball the first two times, make them burn two timeouts, or let you know if they're if if they're starting to play the game of we got to you know conserve our timeouts, then you burn forty seconds at least once, maybe twice. Um, and uh, so either they burn through all three of their timeouts, two of their timeouts, one of their timeouts, and you either then get um, – if you don't get a first down, they, they've burned their timeouts, um, and you punt them back – you know, you punt them back deep in their territory again. Um, and, and so they have the ball where they ended up having it anyway without all three of their timeouts, or 40 seconds or a minute and 20 or two minutes are off the clock and they still have their timeouts. Um, or, hey, you know, your offense is moving the ball. You got 410 yards of offense. There's no reason to think that they couldn't get a couple of first downs and, and run the clock well, out. So. so, you know, without piling on, but we will pile Which we've on. been doing a good job of here, yeah. We've been doing a great job, so we might as well continue. The other process, thought process may have thought may have been, well, we're going to have to score a touchdown because we don't have anybody can kick a damn ball. <laughs> which leads me to this. Why don't we have anybody that can kick a damn ball? So you get the ball back at the 50. It's not like you only have 50 yards to go. I mean, Elliot's got to be thinking we have to score a touchdown or we will not put points on the board. So let's just try to block the punt and end the game right here. What, what is wrong that we can't come up with? We got an all-American five-star kicker, high school kicker, that quite frankly is an embarrassment. He's not been kick. He's not been getting height on his kicks. His kicks have knuckled, um, and uh, they've not been consistent. So, gosh, I hate to be that guy, but I think that's also a, uh, a coaching thing. I mean, come on, you got a five star guy. Um, they they give him stars for a reason. You know, he hasn't looked like he hasn't looked like a guy who kicked the ball before this year. And we and we said we have two nationally ranked soccer teams. You can go go to either team and get a kicker. Okay, I'm looking now. I do have the transcript here. Um, I, my eyes got real big because I saw the words blocked punt, but actually Virginia had a punt blocked in the game. <laughs> so oh, we had a punt block. We missed two field goals, an extra point. Yeah. I mean, what did we not do correctly? Yeah, let's see here. Um, 
but that's about the punt that was blocked. Um, let me see. I'm just trying to scan here real quick to see if there's any. So they did ask a question about the punt that was blocked. There was so much yeah. to ask about on special teams. Uh, <laughs> um, let's see. My money's on it was never brought up. Yeah. Oh, but there is a question. I think seven games now as a head coach, how are you losing, using analytics within a game to try to make decisions? Um, <laughs> really? Yeah, there was a question about analytics. And, but not specific to that. He didn't answer anything specific to that. Uh, then he goes to coordinator and special teams. So, so the, there were some, a lot of dancing around it. My goodness. And he had an answer that went on forever. Um, there's a lot of dancing around <laughs> just asking the question. What was, what about that screw up there late in the game? Um, and, uh, so no, no, nothing specific about that particular instance, but there were questions about special teams, about the special teams coordinator. I mean, I, I don't want to be that guy, but I think that Gaither probably needs to be cleaning up his resume and updating it for next year, because I don't think that's his job. Um, it can't be, you know, you, they've had two to memory. I'm not looking at stats right now. Two punts blocked this year. Um, a couple that should have been blocked. Um, the only guy on the whole special teams unit doing anything good is the punter, Daniel Sparks. We fumbled a punt that rolled in the end zone and turned the Illinois game in the different direction back in week two. All the missed field goals. We went, we went through one kicker who couldn't make a field goal. Now we got another kicker who can't make field goals. Um, in, in, in the Georgia Tech game, we had a we had a kick returner, a kickoff returner, who downed the ball at the three yard line, thinking that that's all he needed to do to fair catch it. When in fact, what you got to do is actually wave your hand up in the air and fair catch it. And that gave Virginia the ball at the three yard line. We were going to run the clock out anyway, so it's not like it hurt us from from a standpoint of trying to score points, but it made it so that instead of downing the ball one time, Brennan Armstrong had to run the ball two times on quarterback sneaks and expose himself to injury just so they wouldn't get a safety. So, I mean, little stuff that adds up over the course of time. Yeah. What is the, um, what's the story? What's the saying about uh, the, the results or the attention is in the details. What's I, I can't. Yeah. Something about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The devil's in the details. And there's a lot of details here that show that this team is, is i mean you know so you know in defensive in defensive tony elliott and his staff you know we're seven games in so it's this is this is this is me being the best <laughs> mikey serve i can be here mikey serve from um, um the message board and from twitter this is me hey, it's a good thing we're doing this today and not friday yeah 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 because uh, we would have not been in uh i would have not been in a good frame of mind to do this friday <laughs> really um uh but to put you know we, we talked about the moving up to the big headset thing um you know and and the selling point for a guy like tony elliott and, and, or anybody i mean you know brent venables is, is still struggling out of oklahoma another former clemson coordinator defensive coordinator um you know the the thing that sells your your credentials that hey i you know in tony elliott's case he, you know he he called a game-winning drive to beat alabama in the national championship game which he did, and, and you're on the headset then, and you're calling the plays, and so you know you're you're. But a difference when you're a coordinator is when your unit's off the field, you take a break. 
You know, I mean, you're not like doing nothing. You're over there talking to your unit. You're maybe back on your headset talking to or, or, or physically meeting with your offensive court, uh, offensive line coach or wide receivers coach, quarterbacks coach, whatever. But you're not intently calling, you know, you're, you're not watching the defense and, and, and having to be zeroed in on every single thing they're doing. And then special teams, same thing. You have one part of the game, which is offense. And then you're coaching your guys in between. When you're the head coach, when the offense is on the field, you're, you're zeroed in on the offense. When defense is on the field, you're zeroed in on the defense. And when special teams are on the field, you're, special, you're zeroed in on special teams. You don't get a second off when you're the head coach. You don't get a chance to breathe. You don't get a chance to get a cup of water. I mean, you're always, you're happy, you're, your life is 40 seconds at a time making decisions. And it, it's obviously taken a while for that to, to sink in. Um, uh, and, and some bad decisions are still being made. At some point, you know, um, you, you know, you get used to it and, you know, it, it becomes old hat, but it's just not there yet for, for Elliot and his staff. No, and it's, and it's, it's about slowing the game down a little bit so that in your, so that what you're seeing, your mind is able to catch up with it, I think. And, and like you said, he's, he doesn't get a break. He's, he's, a, he's whether, whatever offense, defense, special teams, he's got to be right there engaged and, those decisions come 40 seconds at a time, sometimes 25 seconds at a time. Oh, yeah. I, mean, I say 40 seconds at a time just because the play clock's 40 seconds, but you can't wait 40 seconds to make the decision. When you got to send a special teams unit out there, you got to make that call as soon as the as soon as the sack. We're we're all you know watching the sack. The guys are the defensive guys are out there celebrating. You got to make the call then because you got to have your special teams unit get out there. Um that and that that's every play, not just there. That's every play. What you know, what 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 personnel to send out, uh, you know, coordinators have to make these calls, but what personnel to send out on first and 10 when you're on offense or first and 10 on defense, et cetera. Um, and that's every play. That's every play for three hours, you know, except there's a 20-minute halftime. There's three minutes in between commercial breaks, you know, when the guy runs on the field with that little clock that we all hate when in the stadium. But, you know, you're on – you're you know, there's roughly 150 plays in a college football game from the line of scrimmage. Um that's that's how many decisions you've got to make, and that doesn't even include the, the special teams plays. That that's that's the 160 decisions you have to make. That's 160 decisions you got to make in three hours. That's that's tough. I mean, that that's and, and obviously, um, it hasn't slowed down enough yet for for Elliot and his group. We have to hope it will. It, it will. I mean, the guy, you know, he he made those he, he 75 plays a game at Clemson. He was he was really good at it, but um, um. Uh, we have turned this into a special teams dissection co- podcast, Scott. So um, after the Louisville game, in which we fell to two and four, uh-huh. which was the midpoint of the season, yeah, I made a comment that I thought this team still had a chance to win five out of six. I said they go zero and six, so you're right, more right than I am. And I think you accused me of sniffing airplane glue. Oh, uh, I still, I still wonder what you you got yourself into moonshine or or, or some good <laughs> cannabis or something, whatever you got into there. Yeah, yeah. But 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 look at the regular, look at the rest of the season, Chris. I'm and I've got it in front of me. Uh, Miami, very winnable game Saturday. Um, yeah. Carolina comes to Scott Stadium. Carolina historically lays an egg in Scott Stadium. Well, uh, but this Carolina team is going to is going to clean up the field with Virginia. I mean, that's, you said five or six. There, there's your one. There's your one. You can't win. In my um, opinion. But a very beatable pit team comes um, up after that. We have, uh, we, I'm, I'm sorry. 
a very beatable pit team after Carolina, right? Very uh, a, a slumping pit team, a Coastal Carolina team that got blown out by ODU. Right. Um, we go to Tech. I mean, Tech right now is you know just down in the doldrums like we are. So I mean, it's still it's still possible, but you can't make those. You're not gonna you're not gonna you know um, be able to skate defeat when you make silly mistakes like we made Saturday, uh, Thursday against Georgia Tech. You, that can't happen. We've got to clean that up a lot. Well, and, and lot. we we spent a lot of time talking about the coaching mishaps, but, man, the player stuff, too, you know, the drop balls. Uh, I mentioned I did mention the drop ball by Lavelle Davis in the end zone that would have been a touchdown. There was another drop that led to a pick six. Uh, Keaton Thompson had the ball right in his hands. It popped up in the air. Uh, Georgia Tech returned for a touchdown. So that was the only touchdown where Georgia Tech had in the whole game. Um, there were, you know, Virginia only had two penalties in the first half at eight in the second half that, that really set Virginia behind the, the change a lot uh, on both sides of the ball. So, I mean, the players are not immune here, but, um, yeah, it, it, they won the game in spite of playing very subpar, but they beat a team that fired for some, you know, for, for reasons that we are very well aware of, uh, got his coach fired a couple weeks ago. So yeah, we uh, can't forget that that's the same team that, that, that got their coach fired. Yeah, yeah, that's 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 what they. Even though they'd won two straight, yeah, they got their coach fired. So, yeah, there are there are very winnable games. I mean, every game except for the Carolina game, in my opinion, is winnable on the rest of the schedule. And so you you know, so your optimism about the chance to win five out of six now, what would what would be four out of five, is is well founded. Um, as you know, and and those programs aren't playing well either. I mean, Pitt Pitt is is struggling. Uh, you know, Miami we talked about struggling. Uh. You know, Coastal Carolina, Virginia Tech, they're all teams that are not playing good football right now. So, yeah, And I still have a loss to go. So I still have one in the bank. And you have one in the bank. Good. And I'm they're already wrong because I said 0-6. playing well. I said 0-6, so I'm already out of the game. I'm already gone as far as this goes. But, um, yeah, this this could this could still work out um, for, for Virginia fans. And, um, hey, if nothing else, as we're recording, we're less than two weeks from basketball season starting. So we Yeah, and I just, uh, I just got the um, – USA Today just released their top 25 for basketball. I believe it was just today. And we are number 18. 18. AP had us 18 as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, and USA Today also put out their 1 to 131 uh, rankings for college football. And Saturday is going to be – I do not know how – tickets aren't just flying out the ticket window <laughs> ticket office because Saturday is a matchup of according to USA today of number 84 Virginia versus number 87 Miami of Florida at that of 131 uh, of, a, of 131 and if you want to know for those of you that are uh, warped enough to want to know 131 is UMass <laughs> at one and six. And Tech is Tech is one oh five um, at two and five. So uh, it's a battle of the eighties. That's <laughs> the, the theme of- Saturday. It's a, <laughs> it's turn back the clock. It's the battle of the eighties. Throwback. What were you wearing in eighty four and eighty seven? That's right. Yeah, uh, <laughs> break out your mullets. 
<laughs> no, and, and 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 for those who are listening, who are not going to make a, a, a relatively short drive to get to the game on Saturday, Scott's got to drive like six hours to come back <clears> to <throat> this monstrosity of a game. So you, I don't want to hear any of y'all's excuses. Scott's try, Scott's leaving the beach and getting in a car for for a long time. Um, so he's not just going to be in the car for a long time. He's giving up the beach to come and see this football game. And as you just said that, my wife perked up from a nap and her ears are standing on her head. So that, so you may have just put me in the doghouse tonight, Chris. <laughs> yeah, well, I have done my job. Or I can just leave her here, right? That's a, he'll let, yeah, she doesn't have to come back. Just just you. Um, but but we, we have to. We work the game, right? Well, we do. And, and you know, um, yeah, it, it, it's uh, – it's a labor. Uh, some, I was getting ready to say labor of love, but I'm not sure. I'm not sure with football, it's so much love. The basketball is easy to love, but uh, uh, that being hey, the- if it were basketball, I'd already be at home, That's wanting true. to wanting to make sure I got there in plenty of time. Right? <laughs> you might you might have already saved your a parking space at JPJ uh, weeks ahead of time. So no doubt right. about that. Right. But um, yeah, I still have confidence. I, Tony hasn't exactly jumped out of the gates the starting gates but you know he did he did he did some good things at Clemson and I think once the game slows down a little bit uh for him and winning cures all doesn't it well as we're wrapping up the podcast I don't want anybody to say we didn't say nice things about Tony Elliott because right there at the very end you did Scott yeah I'm and and he's a great guy oh he's a a great guy yeah yeah. there's no doubt about it no, no doubt about the guy. Um, it's it's easier to lose with a guy that's a good guy than it is to. We've had some other guys that we lost with that weren't so fun to be around. So yeah, yeah, we've lost some. Ba- uh, I don't like to mention names, but Dave Lado. Yeah, I don't to like my... to mention names either, Dave Lado. But uh, yeah, <laughs> who was the opposite of a great guy? And he whatever also that, was also whatever that is a train wreck uh, of a coach. So. Um, and he was for four years. We're hoping Tony will get a turnaround. I don't want to say Tony's a train wreck. He's he's not done well to this point, but he's got a lot of he's got a lot of chance to turn it around. So, yeah. Um, Virginia Miami twelve thirty kickoff uh, Saturday. Uh, we won't blame you for not, <clears throat> but I will. Um, for Scott German, I'm Chris Graham signing off. Everyone have a great day. <laughs>